Yeah. You know, what are the what are the um, social cues that that people pick up on? Exactly. And that actually going to one of your classes yesterday with the uh, interrogation class when somebody brought up. <laughs> That was fun. Um, oh, that was... Uh, I looked like she was going to fucking kick my ass while she... Okay. My, my, subject, just a side note, my subject for this is a friend of mine in Boston named I, who goes by name I. Um, she's a, a bondage model. She's awesome. And she's just really very kick-ass kind of character. And I have never... I had her... We, we took her down. She's naked. She's got purple blonde hair, pink blonde hair. And I've got her... Nastily zip tied into his chair. She's beat the shit out by rough. Saying that you took her down is sort of like (laughs) cutting off a fairly good deal of the. It wasn't that simple. No, well, the joke is we we were supposed to be very careful because she just she'd done a a, a body a rough play scene with uh, rough Anna Murado. Uh, from uh, Chicago, who was also teaching there, doing you know body hitting. So she had this. I mean, her 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 um, right sh- uh, right shoulder on the front and up upper part of it had this inc- basically looked like she'd been in a car crash. I mean, there's this giant bruise going down part of the arm and across the shoulder. And she's like, she almost punked out earlier in the afternoon, going, I you know, are you going to be hitting me? And I said, No, we're not going to be beating you up. She's like, Okay, I can do the class. I mean, she was she was in bad shape. And so I, I told my take-on guys who are really, really large guys and martial arts and everything, okay, remember you have to treat her like a package, grab her, don't take her down. I want to use smash her in the ground, but make sure she can't hurt, you know, she can't do anything. Okay, she has three guys who are, who are like six, six one, and about 200 pounds of solid muscle, okay, you know, full muscle. And she's moving them around as she's struggling. And I was very happy that I told them at the beginning, it's like, by the way, struggle is a negotiation. Have fun. You know, I was like, we're being very careful thing, but fuck, if she hit, you know, you know, that's not giving me any anything. So they struggle to get her there. We zip tie her in. She gives us no end of trouble. And now she's zip tied there, legs spread, you know, twat hanging out to the to the to the, the winds. I've got um, this fucked up music that I'm running in her head. Uh, if anyone wants to check out Mersbo, gotta love Mersbo. <laughs> yeah, Mersbo noise music. And what was, what was she said? What was she said when I put the Mersbo in her head? Uh, Oh fuck no! This music. Yeah, she was just at, so she's sitting there. I've never seen anyone stark naked tapping her knee, uh, her leg, like I'm fucking going to fucking fuck somebody up while she's zipped. Yeah. <laughs> it was like somehow this is the wrong impression when you you have somebody zip tied into chair yeah. that you want to it, get. It, it was not. It was not. The focus was not on the fact that like I am naked in front of this closet zip tied the chair. It was. Eventually, they're gonna have to let me out of this, and then I'm gonna fuck Fucking someone up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was pretty awesome. They can't keep me like this forever. <laughs> Piss me off some more, motherfuckers. See what happens. You know, love you. I. So uh, anyway, you were. You were you, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Somebody so. asked at one point. We were talking about you know the various methods for interrogation. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked like, well, what about the ancient Chinese methods yes. of torture or interrogation or whatever? And it's it's you know, and you mentioned that like oh, it's everything's the same or whatever. But what, I think a valid point to make is also that like every culture develops its own torture. Sure. Because. Every culture has different cues. Sure. So what is more effective in, you know, like the, the, the shame aspects that might work really well, well in yeah. ancient Japan, people here are going to be like, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you're going to tear my shirt? Like, okay. But yeah. you left it on, so yeah, I'm You're going to show my tits? Yeah. yeah. Well, remember I brought up the thing about the Israeli military, the, the, the story that a friend who had worked 
uh, with interrogators had told me, which was the whole thing where uh, an interrogator used the threat of drug addiction. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. Because in, within the Muslim world, if you're a good person, you don't do drugs. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to shame your family. Yeah, it's it's a it's an incredibly culturally relevant. Yes, but it's it's that the idea that they 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 perf- and they certain because that might have like perfected like to an art this torture technique doesn't necessarily mean that it's culturally relevant to now. Although I actually cut him off more with the fact that since he was using the ooh the ancient Chinese uh, secret yeah. thing and Orientalism a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and it's like you know you me okay. When I was in Hong Kong, uh, there, there's a book of Hojo uh, ties. Zentai Hojo Jitsu. Zentai Hojo, Hojo Jitsu. And it's an awesome book. And it's these woodblock prints from, like, what, 16th, 17th century? It's pretty much the collection of all the ones that hadn't been destroyed at that point. Right. Of, of the different schools of Hojo Jitsu. Now, within the rope community, this book is kind of a legendary book. You know, if you have it, everyone wants it. Okay, and there's no real translation because it's all old Japanese. But this is where we get into the. Yeah. And it doesn't help that Osada Steve goes. It is untranslatable. Right. I have translated the first third into German. The second third I'm working on. The last third is completely untranslatable. Yeah. And, and we, we we had our, our, our the house elf, and I, I'm going to say your name. I'm going to say Leah. It's it's you know we love you. It's okay. Um, we we handed her the book because she spent time in Japan. And everything's. Could you translate those? And we just want to do an experiment to find out whether or not uh, how, how, what do you mean by untranslatable and what could we get out of it? Because there's a lot of knowledge we have about Japanese bondage and the words and stuff like that and what they mean. She was essentially our control for the experiment of can this be translated? Yes. Like somebody that has not been told that this yes. is untranslatable. Right. And so she dived into it and everything she came out with was within within the bounds of, okay, if she didn't understand a certain word, we could supply what obviously was probably the word that, you know, the the trans the the since a lot of Japanese is this sort of means yeah. You know, a number of things in context of we go, well, since this is this and this is that, that must mean this. You know, and um, what was hilarious about it is was we discovered two things about the book. One, that the book is not how to tie ho jiu-jitsu. It's these are the forms. These are picture images of forms and each page that has a set of images. These are the images from such and such school. That's it. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and well, sometimes they had like this is best used on somebody of yeah. this rank during this season yeah. if you are of the you know. right now that was that would usually be something that was translated from the page or if it was something that was uh, they were trying to make a point about certain types of ties but really there was nothing in the translation that was actually relevant in terms of how to tie the tie to the ties except for that first segment yeah yeah i mean if you if you look at like looking at the pictures as a as an english non-japanese speaker you're actually getting just as much information about how to tie them as if you were speaking the language right which is pretty much zilch you know and if you happen to have some experience in tying you can pretty much back engineer most everything in the book to one degree or another i mean and they are pretty and they're oh, yeah. they're useful talks yeah. i mean it's not it's it's a good place to get ideas yeah. and, and like leah actually uh, uh, uh actually came out with a, a, a really interesting observation, which I'd never heard about the book before, which was she pointed out that the rank of the person was in the in regards to the tie was determined by the uh, hairstyle. 
And I have not heard anybody who's who's talked about the book or or um, uh, talked about translating the book actually pointing that out. There is uh, she pointed out that uh, one set of hairstyles were in relationship to if this were a um, a, a young boy under a certain age because that was the type of hairstyle. Yeah, and it was related in the text. Yeah, and also pointed out that you know which I think we might have known a little bit before, but like. All of these hairstyles are of higher level officials or sure. families, or like it, this would be like the hairstyle of a boy that is the son of a higher level official right, right, that right, is right, worth right. ransoming off. Yeah, but I don't think anyone made the connection that the style of tie was you know, basically the hairstyle in the image was being relate was related right. to the actual. Yeah, tie. they were looking for the subtitle that says this is you know the right. daimyo of whatever right. instead of just like oh we can tell that this is the person because right. their hair is like this. Yeah, now, I think a Japanese person reading it more likely would have since there's a cultural background towards that but the average westerner would have looked at it even if they were translating and they had some knowledge would have looked at it and go where's where's the label telling me what it is and not realize the label was the drawing itself yeah. it was like remember the uh, the the only ones we determined which you could out were obvious were the little ugly guy drawings which was the same as the others except they had little tits yeah yeah <laughs> but, obviously for women i mean it, it would have been sort of the, yeah it would have sort of been the equivalent of like we had an old book that had you know some guys in white powdered wigs yeah and like saw other guys just with normal hair and you know well obviously these are you know right yeah the powdered wig yeah the, wigs, the, the, wigs. <laughs> like the Republican Party they're going the wig the way of the wigs at yeah. this point but yeah so um, where were we with this so <laughs> uh, dude, we were I don't know but yeah so it was it was yeah whatever <laughs> we said a lot of stuff. Cultural relevancy. Yeah. yeah. Cultural relevancy, exactly. Um, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Actually, what I loved was when she, she freaked out when we told her. Um, uh, oh, when we were doing the we first were, iteration of the podcast, yeah. and we start talking about how the book yeah, is untranslatable as yeah. she's sitting there translating it, and immediately she goes from, like, this is hard, but I can get this, to, like, I'm done. Yeah, and how dare you do this to me? You know, we're we're you know this you know how can you have me? I'm not worthy to do this. And we're like, no, you're perfect. You, you just did it. <laughs> Guess what? They love it. You're, by the way, we love you. You're gorgeous. You're wonderful. Yeah. You know, so and you're still a wonderful person. So there. Uh, but <laughs> even if you won't come to America, yeah, we'll get you one day. Uh, get you in your little dog tool, you're pretty. Um, but it's it, it, interesting when you start getting into because like this is the whole thing with um, like we've had a lot of conversation about the whole like you've been, you've been while you were in Japan and for I'm so so angry that I couldn't get to Japan with you um, okay from Hong Kong uh, a flight to Japan is like $300 round freaking trip yeah it, it was like Three fifty. Yeah. Three fifty. Yeah. yeah and I was there and I didn't I had enough money to be in Hong Kong I didn't have you know we were like Ugh. The problem is we get to Japan. Living in Japan is ridiculously expensive. Like Hong Kong is cheap, Japan is holy fucking shit. You know, we're, five thousand dollars to get around. We're a tiny island nation that is not backed up by the country right next to us. Right. So we're importing all of our food through tariffs and whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But they do have the most fabulous fruit ever. It's just like a hundred dollars for the like But it's the best. It's one. the platonic ideal. <laughs> this isn't just an avocado. This it is the avocado. avocado. It is the concept of all avocados. Feel it. Feel the Zen. Be the avocado. 
feel it flow through you. Be one with the universe. Have a slice. Three thousand dollars, please. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, twenty thousand, twenty million yen. So uh, anyway, we, Mike's going like, "Oh, wait a minute. I think I know whose bed we can sleep on." And you know, like, he's trying to come up with any little ways. But oh yeah, we could have found some place to sleep. It's the oh sure. Eating and <laughs> transportation, drinking, and the, and drinking, yeah. and getting into the clubs. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a, the, the event we wanted to go to wasn't at Kinoko's club, so you couldn't get me a deal. So it was going to run me literally the the to get into the club was going to run me four hundred dollars, like a hundred yeah. and change more than I mean, getting into getting to had, Yeah, it was it's, it was almost like enough that if, well, if we pay for another plane ticket for bring a you know a girl with us. Yeah. We can get it. It's almost worth that to get into the... <laughs> yeah, because the girl would get us in for less, you know, at half or a quarter off or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was like, talk about, you know, you need money to make money. Uh, it, it was really crazy. And unfortunately, we didn't pull it off. But um, Mike's been flying over to um, Japan to take classes with Asada, Kanoko, uh, who else? Uh, I took one class with Arisue, Go, and I found out that I forget which class he was in and of mine that I was taking. At one point, one of the guys, um, this was great, uh, looking at one of my friend's profiles, he was on a trip to Japan, yeah. and there's a picture of him uh, with his arm sort of or standing next to like these two guys and like oh one of these and he, he, sometimes something like oh with the grandmasters or with something like that and, and I look and like okay this guy is is a son of Steve who is who is this other guy standing next to you like he was totally like at one of the classes I was yeah. at like kind of giving us pointers like little unprepossessing like like Japanese guy, Japanese guy. and uh he thought I was kidding. He's like, ha yeah, yeah. It's only one of the top masters. Or um, uh, uh, Yukimura. Yukimura. <laughs> it's like, oh. And he's just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I brought it up in this, in this way is, is, is we've, we've had this running conversation since Hong Kong. And I've had this also a conversation with um, um, uh, Clover and... Uh, uh, Oh God! What am I Dave? Going? Dave so, wow. Sorry, Dave. Uh, and Wicked Dave. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Clover has better tits than you. So of course I'm going to remember Clover. Yeah. Uh, hi, Clover. Anyway, uh, Clover and Wicked Dave. And um, one of the things we can, we've we've talked about, and this is this is sort of a bugaboo for me, which is, um, and, and uh, Midori's talked about, which is the cultural imperialism, cultural appropriation of things. And um, I've been around teaching since the '90s, and one of the problems with Bond, Japanese bondage and the, the acquisition of Japanese bondage in the West is um, something that I found when I used to be, I was a lot younger and I was in anime uh, in New York. There was a number of anime groups and it was, they were very big at one point. And you have a lot of, you know, geeks and geekwads and, you know, stuff like that. But you always had this one guy who, very otaku or just, or just an asshole, uh, who uh, was, um, spoke Japanese or he read Japanese, whatever, and he would interpret and his interpretation was what the Japanese meant, you know, because since he could do this, it gave him power, you know. It wasn't necessarily the cultural back. It was the words mean this. Yeah. I well, more, more than just that, more than just that. It was also the, um, there's that element of I want to be Japanese, thinking of Japanophile or Francophile yeah. or something like that. So they were doing their interpretation of what the Japanese, you know, what Japanese was. 
versus, and not just the language, but the, the attitudes, the precepts, the concepts, the attitudes, the people. As they know them from their own, their own, their own mythology of what it means. Yeah. And even if they actually know Japanese people or not. Now, whenever I've, I've, I've had a number of Japanese friends over the years, I uh, used to be friends, uh, for a good friend with a guy who used to work at one of the Japanese, uh, the Jap- Japanese bookstore. It was called Japanese bookstore. And I used to be on 57th Street. And the thing I've always found with Japanese is they're incredibly friendly. They're, they're, they're open. They're nice. You, as with any culture, Chinese, Oriental, whatever, if you have a, you know, you like my food? Let's eat. You know, if you, you know, if you like my things, I like you. You know, we're, we're, we have uh, simpatico. We have connection. Yeah. And, but when you talk to like certain people who are name, nameless in this podcast, uh, within the, the Western Japanese world kind of thing, um, no, no, no. You, you don't know what you're doing. The Japanese think you don't know what you're doing. And I, they sneer at you. But they're not going to actually do that because, um, you know, they're, it's their politeness thing. But what they're really saying is, and you have to learn from me, because I only I know the only one cool way in regards to Japanese bondage. Okay. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, the joke of this is... Everyone in Japan does it the same. Exactly. Exactly. Now... When I started doing this, you know, you know, or just I started learning Japanese bondage on a serious level uh, back in the 90s, nobody knew who the fuck Garo, go, you know, Garosu, ever say, how do you pronounce it? Because uh, you said it actually, you pronounce it right, actually. I do, do I? Arusei? Arusei, yeah, Arusei. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, I'm putting too many syllables in because Japanese. I don't know if it's Arusei or Arusei. Yeah, but... we apologize. Uh, the, the, the owners of this podcast would like to apologize to anybody who does not understand how we're actually putting too many syllables into our Japanese. But anyway, um, that guy. Or Osada. Or, well, Osada. Let's not count Osada at the moment. I mean, because... Osada is a special case. He's in so many ways. <laughs> so many ways. Uh, but any of the Nureki or any any of the uh, the, the Japanese... And and um, we, we didn't know who these were. When we started. We had the books. I mean, I was importing a, a number of uh, 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 Samuel Mook books, which were these. It's a series of uh, a company that puts out basically porn, but they also put out how to do Japanese bondage books or po- photo books. Essentially, and, how to do porn. How to, porn how, to do, how to do porn. How to do, yeah, porn and how to do porn. Okay. <laughs> Which happens to have porn in it. So it's porn, porn on porn. Can you have a little porn? Informational porn. Informational porn. Spam, 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 porn. Yeah. Porn, yeah. There, porn, There's, porn. you know, entertainment and edutainment. And this <laughs> and is porn Pornutainment. Por, 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 yeah. Pornutainment por, 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 and info porn. Info porn. Well, it's a pornocopia of porn. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, we're, we're seasonally... <laughs> So I'm reading these stupid books, and you know people are starting to learn and stuff like that. And like uh, Shibarikan is a, is called Shibarikan not because we knew what the Japanese word for Japan for bondage was, but because um, at that point we didn't, and everyone was trying to find out what the word was. And there was uh, uh, originally it was we knew we heard the word Shibari, but actually before we heard the word Shibari, there was a uh, B&D Pleasures video um, uh, where this Japanese madam. Dame, whatever, is doing a uh, Tekakote, a TK on somebody, some guy. And she finishes and he goes, Shibari, tie. And what she's trying to say is, word Shibari, which means to tie, and tie. So here you, here I am. I'm tying him up. Shibari. Shibari tie. Okay. And everyone started calling Japanese bondage, Shibari tie. 
Okay. So that, that carry got debunked pretty fast after a point. Uh, but um, then we heard Kimbaku, which is supposedly erotic bondage. Uh, but then at that point, uh, uh, Mordor bought uh, Shibari Khan. So it was like, do we go with Kimbaku, which seems to be more accurate? Or, yeah, fuck it. Which actually turned in a weird sort of way, even though certain factions on the Western side were very, you know, like at that point we're learning from Japan, we're very sneering at it being, you know, it's not really, that's the wrong word for it. If you think about it, it's actually the perfect name for it because it's just Taikon. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not Japanese Taikon, it's Taikon, you know. I mean, neither, neither of them are a title. Well, but this is the point I'm trying to get to is, what's the, when we finally find out now is, what's the word that Japanese use for Japanese bondage? Bondage! <laughs> they've bondage, they've Japanized the word bondage. So if you go to a Japanese person, you go, uh, do you shibari your wife? Huh? But you go, uh, do you bandage Oh, yeah, I bandage my wife. Ah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, you kinky guy. You know. Yeah, and I'd be at clubs in, in Japan. I was never asked, do you do shibari, do you do kumbaku? Oh, you do Japanese bandage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I yeah. try. Well, the whole point of this is simply that um, as more people are learning from Japan or going to Japan, you're getting, here are the teachers who, yeah, you're paying them or, you know, if you're having a friend there, having you come there or whatever. But the point of it is, is the the open nature of it. You know, nobody's going, oh, you're Westerner, we don't want to do you or, or um, uh, we, uh, you know, you know, even what you're doing is bad. It's, oh, you like what we do. Let's do this. I mean, I can see that some people that might have gone over in there and gotten a little bit of the, like, Mm, you, like if, if you go over there and you're like, oh, I know all about your culture. <laughs> Gee, sounds and like a few people. This is the way you do it. Yeah. I do it so well like you, right? You know, like, oh, isn't sure. this the, like, they might be a little bit like, uh-huh. <laughs> what the fuck are you? It's, but if you just go over there, like, I, I want to learn how to tie people like you do because yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, not because, like, you have these, you know, hundreds of years of shibari. Sure. Wait, we do? Sure. <laughs> well, I, I have a few friends who like my friend uh, uh, Rake in, in Australia, who um, a friend bought it when Go came to Australia, said, bought him a couple hours of a class. And he's just like, show me what you know. You know, okay, well, let me show you something else. Uh, Dave actually has a story about that. Um, I forget who he said he was teaching him. Was it Go? It might have been Go Enrique. But anyway, he... Uh, um, the sleepy tie? Well, no, the Kinoko. Kinoko yeah. was the sleepy tie. Yeah. No, no, no. Not, not that he should... Well, I mean, the fact that... I love the fact that Kinoko teaches yeah. the English guy from England's tie as a Japanese tie, which is awesome. And it's a good tie. I mean, Dave is... Dave is a Japanese tire. He, he knows okay. what he's doing. Buzz? Sure. They don't teach anything as Japanese ties. <laughs> and that's... I'm tapping my nose here going and pointing. Exactly. That's the point being. This is bondage. This is how we do bondage. It's not specifically Japanese bondage in and, the sense. And, and it's not how we do bondage because it's how bondage must be done. It's how we do bondage because it is the most efficient way to meet our motivation, you know, to achieve our goals. Yes. And they just happen to have sort of different goals than, than, than people right. that do it elsewhere. Otherwise. Yeah. And they have a better sense and, and, and pattern structure of how to work with the human body versus Western yeah. bondage in some ways. In, I mean, some, in, some, ways. in some ways, in some ways not. In yeah. some ways it, you know, it applies better to certain body types. Oh yeah. And, but that's a whole other story right there. Yeah, yeah. It, but it, it's 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 more like um, 
they have a, a different objective. Like in Western bondage, it's like you, you were mentioning the other day that like the point of bondage is to be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the point, yeah. Yeah. Well, otherwise, what, what's your effect? Well, I mean, what do you want? Steve would Steve would say that if it doesn't bind, it's not bondage; it's yeah. rope. Like. <laughs> You're not doing rope bondage, you know. Yeah. So this whole thing about like not doing hip harnesses because that's not like how are you right. binding them? It's just your time. But anyways, uh, but but the, the the you know a lot of stuff in the West like is you know the, the inescapable this inescapability like is something that that like is not uh, like yes we want things that are are going to hold you in place yes we want to give you that feeling of being trapped mm-hmm. do we want to make it completely utterly inescapable are we going to like engineer this to be inescapable mm-hmm. no because we're going to engineer this to give you the feeling of bondage as fast and as strongly as possible <laughs> you're going to give you the feeling of being inescapable rather than taking the five minutes of you going along with it while we set it up so that then when we're done tying, right. you can't get out. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I personally aim for inescapable. I mean, I'm, I want to tie something up. I don't want them getting out. But again, it also depends on what's the intent. I mean, if I'm tying a suspension bondage, okay, I'm tying something that I want to work not so much to make it inescapable because I'm working with somebody to suspend them. If they escape while they're in the air, this is a bad thing. Well, but it's not... No, you're it's not going to fall out. But. <laughs> well, the point I'm making is... I want to I want to engineer it so that it will not kill them, will hold them, and they're not going to just fall out of it. If they're going to try escape from it while they're in the air, well, that's their problem, and there's going to be a thud in the end. Yeah, that, that was kind of the point I was making. But when I tie on the ground, that's entirely different because I, I I'm tying somebody on the ground because I don't want them to get. I want an effect. I want them to either hurt. Like when I was doing the uh, pain and pun- uh, punishment and pain class, this was about tying up and. Basically, exploiting the nastiness of those harnesses to basically do what they were originally intended for when they were used for Hojo and torturing the prisoner. But how many times are you going to tie them and then leave them? Like, well, that's a separate. That's a separate leaving is a whole other story. The, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, you can make it inescapable, but you do it by continuing to tie, by continuing the the process to a certain extent. Like, they start moving out of one thing. Well, you well, fix it. That's okay. That's let's say that's an aspect. I mean, it's like if you're doing like when I do my escape artist class, yeah. I talk about continuously tying. But let's put it another way. I don't believe there's there's no one single tie that is utterly inescapable but because you're trying to tie these things onto individuals who are all different. Like if I try tying uh, an is, a so-called inescapable tie on you and you're you're a, a not a large guy, you I mean you're a large guy. You are a large guy. But you're not a fat guy. But you're not um, you're not a, a Hercules body. You're not you know you don't have that small waist and you know triangular chest, but you're not you round. Okay. But you're not my shape. You're not your girlfriend's shape. You know, everyone has a different shape. Also, since you're a guy, you, there are certain advantages to tying you that uh, tying a girl, I have to compensate for. The fact that since you, you bulk more, your muscles bulk when you, you, you tension them, rope is going to stay in place because your muscles are hard and they're going to bulge. A girl, if I put you in, her in the same position, isn't. Now... A so-called inescapable tie 
will you know maybe inescapable on one person, but if I use the same exact tie in five or six people, yeah. unless I adapt it, it's not going to work. And I've seen people in the scene, which actually always cracks me up when some person has this, I have the inescapable tie, and then basically tie not just the same tie, but the you know like they do not change it from the person they originally tied it. So now try to tie it on a tie on a smaller person or a larger person, and then watch them get out of it because it doesn't work with that person's anatomy. You know, um, you you know any tie is any any pattern that you use is a jumping off point. Now, like the tie I did on Kelly yesterday when I tied her up, uh, it's that was an adaptation on an adapt on an i on a, a basic tie that's actually in one of the Go Arasu books. Um, but I keep adapting to it and playing with it because I know how to do different. I, I can take the pattern and go. Well, I want to do this now. So I have the basic pattern and I can modify it on the fly to be nastier or worse or do certain things or compensate for a body. And then I know, because I have the experience, I know I can make this suck more or make it this inescapable. Now, remember what she said that there's no bondage you can't get out of. If you give somebody enough motive, motivation, they can pretty much get out of anything. However, motivation and time. Motivation and time, exactly. Rope stretches, you can help. Somebody will gnaw through the ropes. But there's also a point where you can exceed that person's ability to get out um, because you've either watched them enough, you have the knowledge to look at them and go, ooh, okay, they were able to do this before, but if I do this, then they lose that advantage. So you can make rope inescapable, but again, rope changes over time while it's on somebody. Yeah, I mean, yes, you, 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 you can take, you can make rope inescapable. Sure. Um, I'm just saying, like that is in my, in what I have observed, yeah, a much stronger focus here okay. than than. Like I mean, you're talking about the West. Yeah, in the West. Okay. And then, then like it's it's sort of that famous Ostada Steve quote. Somebody asks him, "Oh, is you know, is your rope inescapable? Can the you know, can the girl get out of your rope?" Yeah. Why would she want to? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, half the time, sometimes when we think about the people we play with, you know, some people want that experience of trying. You know, either. Uh, like if you if you're wearing somebody who is who is a struggler or somebody who likes escaping or trying to escape, uh, like a friend in in the Chicago was uh, that area Illinois area, I don't know if she's still in that area. Um, she likes to struggle, but you can't let her lose. In other words, you can take it up to the point where she's done, she's fucked, but then accidentally untie something so that she can eventually work her way out because then, yes, yeah, she lost, but she has a little bit of a win. On the other hand, per, uh, uh, you know, playing with somebody like, you know, Ava or somebody like that, you know, no. I mean, they want to be totally, you know, at the end of this, they can't get out, they're fucked. Yeah, well, I mean, I would, I would just say that, like, I'm not saying it never happens, but, like, that, that mentality of want, wanting to struggle and struggle and get out of the rope is not something I have seen from people that like to get tied up in Japan. That's, right. That's you know, separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably a cultural thing or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, they're, you know, that fo- you, you, they don't, there isn't a whole lot of focus on creating something like right. that because it's, you, 
rope is sort of the means and the end of the scene. It's not the means to set up for something else. Okay, well, in in that point, we're talking about the difference in the cultural um, relationship towards bondage versus... um, what the the tops relationship towards bondage? Yeah, is. well, so. I would I would sort of say that the cultural relationship towards bondage is what makes it Japanese or not. Like mm. if you have the same That's motivations aspect, behind creating what you yeah. do, if 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 you're if you're trying to create something that does you know you know the same sort of desires behind you know motivations behind Japanese bondage. That's pretty much the same thing. Sure. Okay. I agree with you. I mean, it's. it's um, I, I think in some ways, some of the people who are very anti-Westerners doing Japanese bondage, or doing you know you can't just copy out of the book. Is there again? This goes back to the cultural imperialism. I am taking the 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 mindset of the Japanese, not the rope bondage of the Japanese. You know, this is what they intend to, and yet here's the problem I have with that: is that a you're interpreting what somebody else is doing culturally. You're taking you you're of course overlaying your own precepts over it. And yeah. While they do do this. These are cultural backgrounds that, quite frankly, it's like the humiliation aspect. You know, yeah. nose hooks for an example. You know, I, I, I will pop them out and pull them on, you know, a Westerner and, you know, it's a fucked up thing to do to them, but it's not having the same uh, emotional masochist uh, um, uh, humiliation element uh, and, and even the nose kink that the Japanese have with it. Yeah. And, and it's a, you know, like I'm making the mistake. Well, I'm making the sort of almost... Uh, offensive era of like trying to suggest that everyone in Japan who does bondage has the same motivations. Right. Exactly. <laughs> which is a sort of, which is exactly the point of what I was trying to make about the whole fact that, you know, here you are going to Japan taking lessons from these guys and here they are basically welcoming you with open arms and being generous in their knowledge versus judgmental in their knowledge. You know, yeah. and, and going, you know, because Everybody I've talked to who's taken lessons there has really great stories to tell about how, you know, yeah, you're paying somebody for a class, but, you know, they don't have to show you as much as they're showing you. Yeah. And in my experience, like here you go to a class and I mean, not not in all cases, but like if you go to some place in, in the you know U.S., like you, let's say I came into town, I come to a class that you're putting on that's sort right. of scheduled you're not then probably, I mean, maybe you would, but like you wouldn't then spend a whole lot of time outside of the class. Like, Oh, let's all go out to dinner and let's go like hang out at this club and the next, I mean, maybe you would, but like, that's not necessarily something that I think would be the most common. You know? You're just saying the Japanese do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I, I'm saying that if, like, if I had my club, sure I would. I mean, this way, I, I I mean, look, you know me. I'm uh, I'm pretty darn open, aren't I? Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, people are usually shocked and like, wow, you're approachable. And uh, but like, yeah, if people want to go, to, hey, let's go, let's go to dinner or whatever. I I mean, I'm happy to talk and, and yeah. you know, I mean, I'll, I do my classes and there's a certain point where sometimes I'll go like, I do a class on that. If you want to take the class, I'll be happy to teach you. Yeah. Because I can't, you know, it's like right at this. It's not that I'm trying to horn anything out of anybody at that point, but it's that you know, I, I love using the term a uh, blue sky question. You know, you know what a blue sky question is? The, you know, Daddy, why is the sky blue? Yeah. Well, okay, now we have to discuss physics. You know, it's, it's not a simple question. Yeah, it's not. No, it seems I, simple, but it's not, you know. But, I mean, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is it's not just like a job. It's not yeah. just like you don't just like go and, and purchase the product and the yeah. service like, oh, I'm going and getting the class. And, and like to a certain extent, like 
sort of people who do it professionally other places might it might be sort of like okay you came you did a good class thanks for coming right like I did not have a single teacher like in Japan who didn't take me out to a club or didn't go out drinking or didn't like buy me dinner or you know Kyoko's case take me halfway across the city to like introduce me to the rope guy and negotiate and you know translate for me and help me buy a bunch of different rope and set things up yeah. like you know it's they go it is very welcoming it is yeah. which is also I mean that's Japanese culture in general oh it's yeah a very, it's you are you are my guest yeah but there's also it's just it's a genuine thing I love about the culture and the people is that it's that element isn't it's not forced it's genuine it's not that he's going shit I gotta take this it's not my response it's not that I'm going right. it's my responsibility right. to take you out it's like oh you want to like exactly and it's that joy in your food like it's like you are a rope guy. You like what I like. Let's go. Let's go have fun. Yeah. Just kind of like think about the two of us. We're like, hey, like, dude, Mike and I get together, and so I'm like, ooh, let's start. And we just start. We, you know, and this is you know, we start geeking and doing all this stuff. And this is one of the things I love about the scene in the sense that when you get to that level, or even before that, people just love doing. You know, it's like, wow, you like what I like. Let's have fun talking about it and or doing and. But it, you have that, and it's one. Of the, it's one of the commonalities I find that. Um, when we look at when we look at other cultures and you know whether Japanese whatever you know Chinese etc there's always that sense of there's other and then the joke of it is you find other is us the only difference is there's a language barrier or they look different or anything like that it's like one of the jokes you know growing up in New York uh, we kept four Chinatowns I mean one of the things I love with Leo when we were in uh, I was in Hong Kong was you know here I am I'm the stranger in, in Hong Kong. She's the Cantonese girl in Hong Kong. Yeah. And she's trying to be the good host and constantly cautioning me about everything I'm eating. Yeah. You might not like this, you're a gay gin. You might not like this, you're a gay. And I'm like, honey, I grew up in Chinatown, New York. We're Hong Kong, New York. You know, like the last time when she did with the, the smoky tea, and I'm like, no, no. So, you know, I want this, but it tastes like dirt. And she's like, she's actually ready to freak out because she's afraid that I'm absolutely going to not like it. And then she's going to lose face and the whole thing. I'm like, no. Yeah. And I, I told her I loved uh, uh, natto, which is the uh, fermented uh, 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 soybeans. And the, <laughs> she practically shit a brick. She was like, oh, my God, that's horrible. You know, but it's that element of... Um,